Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. So, um, I want to pray, and then we're going to get started in this. Open, oh, first of all, open your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. It's good to open up your Bible there. We'll have the scriptures on the screen. And, and guys, I've thoroughly enjoyed the Tuesday night, midweek teaching and Bible study time. A um, number of y'all have come out to that. We've been looking at what does the Bible say about, we're going to hit a number of different subjects. So come on out on Tuesday night, 6.30, um, for just real good Bible study time and Bible teaching time. We have youth group that meets on Tuesday night and child care ministry that's here. Thank God for all the people who do that. So your Bible's open to Galatians chapter 5. If you got, if you got a Bible and it's open, just rub it. Don't you love rubbing your Bible? Do you have, does anybody else rub your Bible? See, I want you to read it and obey it, but sometimes to get you started, just rub it. If you, I just find myself doing that. Maybe I'm weird and that's just me. Uh, anyways, so Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. We thank you that you sanctify us by your word. And we pray today, Father, over every heart and every mind, those watching uh, at home and those who are here, Father, that you would open by your spirit, open our minds. We are ready to receive, God. We're ready to receive, not the word of men. We're ready to receive the word of God. We're ready to receive that word that is alive and that is active and that word uh, that is God-breathed for you to breathe something in our life, that you will create something in our life through your word. And so, Father, we thank you today that we receive your word, the holy word of God, and we honor you and we bless you for it in Jesus' name. And if you're ready, say, I'm ready. So if you look at, at your notes, we've been talking about the blessing of the Lord. And in talking about the blessing of the Lord, we talked about how the whole idea of the blessing of the Lord is about relationship. It's the blessing of the Lord. So it's all about the relationship with God. It's not right. It's not healthy. It's not wise. Matter of fact, it's unbiblical to take a concept, a principle, or a uh, reality that is connected to God and separate it from Him. So like people talk about the blessing. And, and sometimes that's just a shorter way they mean the blessing of the Lord, and I understand that. But some people take it too far, and they talk about, how do I get blessed? How do I walk in the blessing? But it's really the blessing of the Lord. It's always connected to Him, just like, just like the love of God. People separate love from God, redefine it in a worldly way, and try to say and push love. One of the dangers we face in the church today is a redefinition of love. And, and so what we have to do is the joy of the Lord. It's joy connected to the Lord. The peace of God. All these reality, the righteousness of, of God. All these realities are connected to a person. Every promise of God is connected to a person. You can't separate the promise from the person. Because a lot of times what people do is, I want the promise. I want the promise or I want the power, but I really don't want the person. And the reality is, I want the person, and because I want the person, the promise helps me to know the person. So everything that we do, the blessing of the Lord, I don't, I'm not chasing the blessing. I want the blessing of the Lord. And if I want the Lord, I want his blessing. Does that make sense? So we're not chasing the blessing. We're not chasing something that we can use to benefit our life like some kind of, of distorted Christian self-help thing. We're talking about knowing the Lord. But if I'm going to know the Lord, I want to know the joy of the Lord. I want to know the love of God. I want to know the peace of God, the righteousness of God, and the blessing of the Lord. I want to know all that because it's, it's relational. It's relational. It's knowing the Lord. So in that, you see the Bible talks about the power of blessing, the blessing of the Lord, and talking about the curse. 
And so a scripture that I have on your notes for you in Proverbs 26.2, it talks about a sparrow and that uh, a sparrow kind of flying around. It says that a curse without a cause will not alight. And what that means is just like a sparrow um, flying, it's, the sparrow's not going to land on you. It's not, it, it, so a curse without a cause will not come to rest in you. So we all have we all have darkness and thoughts and temptations and things that swirl around us and thoughts that come to us. You can't help a thought from coming to you. You cannot help a, th- a feeling from coming to you, but you can keep it from staying. And so a curse without a cause will not alight. And I want to talk to you about walking in the spirit today so that you can walk in the blessing of the Lord. Not, I'm not talking about walking in the Spirit so that God will love you. Because God loved you, loves all of us when our life was tore up, messed up, and we were sinning and doing He loves us. But imagine, all through today, I want you to imagine, not even what the world would look like, but what your life and your family would look like if we all walked in the Spirit of God. And that we would not give any cause for the curse to show up. Because you can be saved, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit in church. To where you have received the blessing of the Lord and you are blessed. And His grace has been given to you. The promises have been given to you. You are a new creation in Christ. The old has gone. The new has come. But you can can be a new creation and still function and live in an old reality. You can be blessed in the sense of your identity in Christ, but yet you still function with the curse because there's a cause in your life. When you or I sin, it does not stop God from loving us. He loves us. He loved us before we were ever saved. And because He loves us, we have the ability to be saved and be in relationship with Him. But when even believers start walking in sin, we, there is a cause that brings the working of the curse. Even though we're not cursed, we're functioning in the curse. Which goes to the next scripture, Ephesians 4, 27. Nor give place or opportunity. I, I put both words there because they're both accurate. Nor give place or opportunity to the devil. Because when we sin, it does not stop God from loving us. It does not stop God from loving us. But if we sin habitually, it can stop God from using us. We give place to the devil. The Spirit of God, through the blessing of the Lord, releases the blessing of the Lord through our life. Through His power, His promises, all that stuff. But the curse and the seduction and the darkness and the destruction, you know, the Bible says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that is what he shall reap. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap destruction, says that in the book of Galatians. If you sow to the spirit, you will reap everlasting life. You're you're in control of your seed. Amy talked about seed and the word of God being seed. You want to change your life, change the harvest of your life, change your seed. It's that simple. Change your seed. And if you want to change your seed, um, you, you start putting God's word into your life. You start walking in the spirit. And what happens is you don't give the enemy any place. When you walk in the spirit, you don't give the any, enemy any opportunity. Because I've told you this many times and I want you to hear it again. For anybody in this room contemplating any, any situation, whether it's in business, whether it's at home, whether it's at school, whether no matter where you're at, if 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 the opportunity that is presenting itself to you is causing you to sin in any capacity, if the opportunity stepping before you is causing you to sin, then it's not an opportunity. The Bible calls it a temptation. Well, I'm going to make a lot of money if I do this. Temptation. I'm going to make this person happy if I do this. Temptation. I'm going to get what I want. Temptation. 
And a temptation is not an opportunity for God. A temptation is an opportunity for the devil. And many people who will not take responsibility to grow up and walk in the Spirit complain about the destruction in their life as if it's God's fault. A curse without a cause won't alight. If, let me just say this. If you're in the middle of suffering and stuff, two things you need to do. Number one, you need to say, Holy Spirit, I yield myself to Jesus, and I, and I come, I present myself, and open my eyes. Get in the Word. Get with another believer who's stable and, and is further, more mature than you. Get with somebody who's walked down the road you've walked with. Get with them and say, Holy Spirit, search me. Help me to find, are there any causes to this curse that's operating in my life? Am I doing anything? I'm not, I'm not taking blame, shame, and guilt. I'm not, I'm not being condemned. I'm, no, I'm taking responsibility. Are there any things in my life, in the, what I'm doing, and what I'm thinking, and what I'm feeling, and in what I'm saying, is there anything that I'm doing that is con- cr- contributing, meaning being the cause of the enemy having an opportunity in my life? That's place number one. Control the things I can control. Do the things I can do. And I start there. And as I start there and I start aligning myself to the Word of God, stop doing this, start doing this. And that doesn't mean that all the pain and pressure of life is going to go away because Jesus never promised you to have a pain-free life. Pain is a part of life. But the promise of God is that Jesus will walk with you through the pain and show you how to navigate so that the pain has no opportunity to destroy you, but you, through Christ, have opportunity to get victory. And so, God, search me. What am I doing with my time? What am I doing with my money? What am I doing with my life? That is not your will that that I don't need to do. And I come out of agreement with that, and I stop. I stop and I start walking in agreement with God. Those are the things I can control. And then say, well, that doesn't solve everything, Pastor John. I still got pain. I still got problems. I still got crazy people in my life. Well, then you got to start making a decision of, is it, is, it, is it wise in God's eyes for you to step away from crazy? And to start looking to say, okay, God, I've, I've done my part in what I can control, and I've aligned my life to you in my thinking, in my doing, in, in everything. I've aligned my life to you. And so now, Lord, I'm asking you to do, I'm asking, I, I pray for this person. I pray for that person. I pray for this thing. I pray for that thing. And, and God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve you when I don't understand why all this is happening. I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to trust you because I want to walk in the blessing of the Lord. Because every temptation is an opportunity for the enemy to trip you up. Every single time. So look at Galatians 5. We'll start in verse 16. Let's just read this. Galatians 5, starting in verse 16. Boy, I love hearing that sound. love hearing that sound. Galatians 5, 16. Uh, when you got it, say got it. So I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I love how it starts with the the offensive. Walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I love this. Um, For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if, everybody say if, You are led by the Spirit. You are not under the law. And that law is is talking about, um, the law is a a measurement of truth and a measurement of righteousness. And so what it's saying is, if 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 you're under the Spirit, you're not, if you're being led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And, And what that means is you're under grace. Because under the law means that, that you're under the, the, the judgment of the law showing you how untruthful your life really is, showing you how sinful your life really is. The law does two things. The law is the instruction that does two things. Number one, the law reveals the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The second thing it does in comparison is reveals everything that is unrighteous. This is who he is. This is who you are. One of these things is not like the other. And we're all born in sin. 
So the law, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You're in, you're, you're in the Spirit side of the law, which means you're under grace. I mean, God's grace has brought you from below to above. He's changed you and transformed you. So verse 19, now the works of the flesh, or this is how you know the flesh is working in your life, is evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, lewdness, I think that's how I pronounce it, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outburst of wrath, or what I call Hulk smash, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, um, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveries, which is like crazy partying, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice, habitually walk in, such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, what's that mean, Pastor John? I'll tell you in a second. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, uh, or or faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law showing that that's sinful or evil. And those who are Christ, meaning who are in relationship with Jesus Christ, you believe Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we, so if we live in the Spirit, let us walk. Somebody say walk. In the Spirit. And let us not become conceited, provoking one another um, and envying one another. And, and so look back to your notes. There are two choices, guys. You walk in the Spirit, you walk in the flesh. You walk in the Spirit, you walk in the flesh. Every day, two choices. Every day, two choices. I don't care what the situation is, two choices. I handle this tragedy by walking in the Spirit, walking in the flesh. There is nothing that can possibly happen in your life, no set of circumstances, no criteria that anything or anyone can do that will give you more options than these two. Every day, in every way, in every area of your external life and your internal life, there are two options. You will either walk in the flesh or or you will walk in the Spirit. There is no other option. There is no middle ground. There is no neutral place. There is no purgatory here. There is either you are walking, you are living with your mouth, with your mind, with your hands, with your feet, with your feelings, with your beliefs, with your actions. You are either walking in the Spirit or you are walking in the flesh. When you walk in the Spirit, you give God's Spirit opportunity to fulfill His promises in your life. When you walk in the flesh, you give the enemy opportunity to destroy your life. You get to choose, even after you're saved, what seed will you live by? What harvest will you grow? Whether you receive and walk in the promises of God or the pain and and destruction of this world, that choice is no longer up to God and it is no longer up to the devil. It is squarely on your shoulders. It's not up to the government. It's not up to your parents. It's not up to your kids. It's not up to your boyfriend, to your girlfriend, to your husband, to your wife, to your ex, to anybody else. It is squarely on your shoulders. And if you will humble yourself and surrender yourself to trust God, He will do the impossible in your life. You will walk in the Spirit or walk in the flesh. Now, living in the Spirit, when it talks about... When you get born again, when somebody... uh, uh, Like Jeff last week. Isn't your name Jeff? Jeff and Jeff. That's easy. Jeff and little Jeff. Okay. <laughs> Love it. Y'all incur, you blessed my socks off last week by coming. I just seeing the sincerity in your heart, giving himself to the Lord. So y'all pray for uh, Jeff and little Jeff. <laughs> and, and so, because I remember when I made that decision to give my life to Christ. So what happens when you give your life to Christ, you're born again. His spirit comes into your spirit and you are a new creation. I'm a new creation in Christ. Anyone who's in Christ. Anyone, John, Jeff, little Jeff, anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone from here, from my spirit. The old is gone, the new has come. The old is still in my soul and the old is still in my body. 
So what I need to do now that, that, that I'm now that I'm born again, now that I'm a new creation, now that I'm a brand new person, my identity. See, some people think we have two natures. You can think that if you want to. I do not believe the Bible teaches that at all. We have one nature. The nature is your identity. It's who you are as a person. Your old nature, what, you, what we'd call the flesh or the old man, the old man was crucified. It's not he, he was dealt the final blow, but he's still dying and one day he'll finally be dead. No, he was crucified with Christ. He is dead. That's who you were. That's not who you are. So in Christ, your identity is spirit. Your identity is in Christ. You are one spirit with Christ, the Bible says. If you're born again. So now your identity is who you are in your spirit. But you still have the flesh as a reality. But your flesh is not an identity. If your flesh was an identity, then you have two yous in you. The identity of Christ in you, your spirit, and the identity of the flesh in you. And they're not both, you don't have two natures. Like one day I'll walk this way and one day I'll walk. Like I can't control that. I don't know, who, I don't know who's going to step in today. I don't know who it's going to be. And, and if you believe in two natures, the danger of that is then you'll, you'll kind of live, well, I just can't help it. This is who I am. I can't help it. That's just, that's just who I am. No, 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 no. You can't help it. Because it's who you were. It's not who you are. Who you are is you are, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are forgiven. You are, you've been made whole. And listen, y'all, I'm not angry. I'm just passionate because I believe God is going to break through some things in your life. If you're willing to hear and you're willing to act, this is not anger. Look, this is not anger. This is passion. It's passion because I want to see God do all that he desired to do when he died for you. And he brought you to this church. Some of y'all are surprised. Some of us are surprised. Y'all are in church. Because God's doing a work in your life. He's doing something in your life. And you need to lean into that. You need to jump into that. And so I'm going to stop. If you would jump into what God is doing like you jumped into what the devil was doing in your life, some of y'all would be like preaching up here. You need to jump in. Tell somebody next to you, hey, jump in. And so as you walk in the Spirit, when you walk in the Spirit, you're walking out of your new identity. The flesh is a reality that you have to deal with, but you deal with the reality of your flesh, which is the lingering remnants of sin and the old you that that are in the chemical makeup of your brain, the chemical makeup of your body, and, and the soulish things in your mind and in your will. But your spirit, who you are in your spirit is your identity. See, what you feel is not you. What you think is not you. Your spirit is who you are. Your soul is is who you believe yourself to be, who you think that you are. And your body is who you show yourself to be. And when you begin to walk in Christ and become a faithful, strong disciple of Christ by taking serious the word of God and letting him sanctify and set you apart by you yielding your life to the word of God just like you yielded your life to those drugs or that whatever, that sin, that money, that pride, that selfishness, whatever it was then what happens, the Christ in you begins to come out through you and your, the identity of the Spirit of God in you begins to dominate the reality of the flesh. Identity defeats any reality. So don't make the realities that you battle in your flesh your identity. You are not the color of your skin. You feel something. That's not your identity. And there's only two identities. There's only two identities. Child of God, not a child of God. We're all creations of God. But you become a child of God when you believe in Jesus Christ. See, the whole Bible is a book about a father and a son. And how a son went on behalf of a father and a father sent a son to come redeem us lost orphans in sin back into the family of God. And people tell me, well, what? what?" Oh my gosh, this is where... There was one time there was eight people on the planet coming off the ark. Eight people on the planet. And every one of them jokers knew God was real. (laughs) 
And so we'll have on somebody who doesn't know God and they're raised in a Muslim family across the world. How, how can I trust in the gospel that that's not God's fault? Those eight people and the people that came after them stopped testifying to the goodness of God. So it's not God's fault. God does his part and he did his part by sending his son because he so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. The problem with the things in the world today is not God's fault. It's the people of God's fault. People say, people say um, you know, God's in control. That's a lie. God is not in control. He has delegated the earth realm to us. See, that whole mindset of God's in control, it's just if it's going to be, it's going to be. you got to be careful with that. God has delegated the earth realm to mankind. Does God work? Yep, and he works through his people. So this whole thing of, well, God's in control. Why doesn't he stop stuff? The real thing is, why don't we stop stuff? Back to the notes, back to the notes. So the spirit is an eternal reality. The flesh is a temporary reality. Temporary. So the word walk, that word walk, there's actually two different words. In verse 16 and verse 25 of what we just read, it, in English you see the word walk in both verses, but they're two different Greek words. And I kind of slam both definitions together so you can see the definition of what it means to walk what it means to walk in the Spirit. And so walk speaks to your direction. It means where am I going? And Christianity, walking with Christ, is never about perfection because there's not one of us who is perfect. It's never about perfection, but it is absolutely about direction. And my life used to go a different direction. If I walk in the flesh, I'm going this direction. If I walk in the Spirit, I'm going this direction. You choose the direction of where you want to walk. You choose. So the walk is direction. That means where am I going? The second thing is your drive. You could even write the word desire. Your drive or your desire, it speaks to the why am I going? What's the motivation? What's the motivation beneath it? Why? One of the greatest things you could do to enlighten yourself in truth is this, is when you sin, do not just repent for what you did. Begin to search out why did I do it? Why was doing this sin a good idea? A lot of us repent for what we did, but we don't repent for why we did it and until your why changes sometimes you you won't break out of that cycle you'll keep doing the same old stuff over and over and over and what you need to do is confront it why in the world would a child of God make a decision to do that he's made me a new creation why do I keep walking in the old things I have a new identity why do I keep chasing the old reality Maybe it's because I don't realize that the new identity brings a whole new reality to me that's better than the old reality. Maybe that's the problem right there, that I think the old reality is better. That's like the children of Israel being brought out of Egypt, and they're in the wilderness, and they, instead of, instead of receiving the faith that would be built up in them about the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and a, and a promise of God driving them and pulling them into the God-given future that they have, through their flesh they became fat and sassy and whatever and got got you know immature and self-centered and instead of letting God and his promises drive them and pull them forward what happened is he their flesh said we need to go back to Egypt Egypt wasn't so bad and that's what happens sin ain't really that bad If you any area of your life where you think sin is not really that bad, it means you have not seen the glory of the Lord in that area. Because compared to him, it's bad. It's bad. And so this drive, why am I going? What's my motivation? And repent at a motivation level. Repent at a why level. The last one is discipline. That means that diligence. How am I doing? How is this thing going? It's, 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 as I'm going, how am I doing? Where do I, and so I'm walking in the spirit now. I'm walking in the spirit. What are the things in my, what causes me to lose focus? What causes me to, to lose sight? Are there certain people that kind of get in my ear and pull me away? Are there certain things that distract me? Whatever those are, you have to take responsibility for that. 
How am I, how am I doing in this thing? So those are three ways that you walk. And, and actually, you know what that word walk also means? It means in cadence. And so the old military guy in me is like, in cadence. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. The jumping jack, in cadence. Lord, help me. One, two, three. It means we're walking together. It's like marching. We're in cadence. It's left, left. Now, there's those going where piles on the military that when you're saying left, they're like left, left, <laughs> left. And some Christians are that way. They're off beat. They're off step. So when you're walking in the spirit, that word walk literally means to walk in line and in direction, uh, to, have, to have all these things in, in, in track. But it means to be in cadence. You're in cadence with the rhythm of the Holy Spirit. And times when we're walking, and then there's times where some of y'all don't know nothing about this, but times when he says, double time, March. And we start picking up. There's times you walk with the Lord, there's times you run with the Lord. And then there's times where you halt, you stand. And having done all, you stand. When he says stand, you stand. When he says walk, you walk. When he says run, you run. Some of us, the greatest thing you can know is this. About face. (laughs) And you need to flip that puppy around. Comes to worship, boom, salute. It's, it's we're in rhythm, we're in step. Most There's a lot of people in the body of Christ that are more in rhythm with the world than with God. In cadence, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Romans 8, 5, if you look at it, I, love, I wrote it out in the Amplified for you. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, which gratify the body. See, the flesh is the reality trying to feed the reality of the flesh, the temporary reality of your flesh. But for those who are in Christ, those who are in Christ, you're going to get a new body. So don't try to gratify your body. Don't feed your flesh. Don't feed your body. So notice, those who live according to the flesh or in cadence with the flesh set their minds on, on the things of the flesh, which gratify the body. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit, meaning His will and His purpose. Just like a radio station, you get to set what channel you're on. You get to set what channel you're on. And if you flip over on your notes, I'm not going to, I don't know, I'm not, I don't think I'll read through every one of these, but I made a list. I went through the Greek definitions of all the words that we just read, the Greek definitions of all the words that we just read about the working of the flesh. And let me just show you a couple. Because these are the things, these are the things that if you do these things to feed your flesh, you are walking in sin. You're walking in sin. God loves you. God loves you. But these are things that are hurting you. Well, why does it hurt me? I don't agree that. I don't think it should hurt. It's the word of God. You take it up with him. This, I did not create this list. This is straight from the Greek definitions of the scriptures of what we just read. The first one is sexual morality. It's a word in Greek called pornonia. And it's any kind of sexual activity outside of a marriage between a man and a woman. Well, we're progressive or we're, we're in an, we have evolved and we're, that was back then. It's now. It, no. No. Incest is a part of that. Rape is a part of that. This will be fun for everybody. Sex before marriage is a part of that. Homosexuality is a part of that. It's all sexual morality. And we got some people that say, homosexual, oh my gosh, sin, sin. And we, we magnify, oh my, but yet you're having sex before marriage? You're looking at websites you shouldn't be looking at. But you're carrying this banner against sexual morality for somebody else. We all have affections and ungodly affections and things that we struggle with and wrestle with. And we're not trying to, we're not trying to take the fun of sex out of, of people. We're not trying to take, the only thing God is trying to take out is anything that would hurt you. 
and separate you from him. What he's saying is God is saying, I created sex. You didn't create it. I created it. And here's how I created it. Between a man and a woman within marriage. And so, ladies, I'm going to tell you right now. Ladies, I'll tell you right now. Listen to me, ladies. You want to know if he's the right one? You want to know if your little boo is the right one? Here's what you need to do. You go to him and say, listen, I love Jesus. Jesus has forgiven me of my sin. He died my death. He, he gave his life for me. He demonstrated his love for me by sacrificing himself for me. And there's no greater love than somebody to lay down his life. Now, when you ask him to like lay down that sex, he's going to be like, oh, drama queen going to show up. But you say, babe, I love Jesus, and he's my eternal husband. You might end up, if you pass a test, you might end up being my temporary husband, like in the earth. But I have an eternal husband, and he don't play. And so for me to walk with the Lord, I'm not going to have sex, any kind of sex. Not going to have phone sex. Not going to have any other kind of sex. So if you're going to walk with me, you best believe that we're not I'm not I'm not doing it and you watch what happens if he's like babe you're right I'm so sorry you're right you are worth waiting for I'm so man I need to go to church myself I need you're right babe well I need to get back in church and you start seeing him and he doesn't come you might see him looking at you and like drooling a little bit looking at you one night and and coming and just being real y'all you might see him looking and being like he wants to I get the want to because all of us want to all of us want to. So I, I get the, would you stop? <sighs> Babe, I'm, I'm going to go get a cold glass of water. Uh, I'm going to take a walk. Hey, totally get that. Totally get that. That's a struggle. That, I totally get that. But you watch. If he starts saying, if he says one thing and does another, or if he starts throwing his drama stuff at you, like, well, babe, I thought you loved me. I loved you. I thought you loved me. I'm telling you right now, you better walk away. You better walk away. Because he is using you to gratify his flesh. And when he does have sex with you, he's probably thinking about somebody else anyways. Because his flesh is in control of his life. And he will use and abuse everything to gratify the monster of his flesh. Jesus died to defeat your flesh. The worst enemy you face is not the devil. The first and worst enemy you face is your flesh. And then there's women who use sex to control things. To snatch a man. Like a Venus flytrap. The man don't even know what's going on. And they're using... Hey, am I speaking the truth? <laughs> yeah. So what, then what happens is, then what happens is everybody feels trapped. And then you start saying, I love you, but what you're really saying in your flesh is, I need you. I need, you're my hit. I need you to gratify my flesh. And I'm not letting the purpose, and, and what happens when you walk in the flesh, the purpose of God of what he designed is not being created in your life. But see, when you come to the Lord and you say, listen, I want to do it your way, God. I, want to do, I can't do anything about the past, but I can do something about it right now. And I want to walk. See, women who, who do that kind of stuff, they don't understand. what. Just like men who, who use sex to gratify themselves and women who use sex to kind of control and do whatever, what ends up happening is then sex never gets to be operating in your marriage for the purpose that was it, it was intended to be. And so your marriage is always at least a quarter inch off because you didn't do it God's way and you don't do it God's way. God designed sex. You got impurity, you got wantonness, which is this deep desire. You've got 
idolatry, which is false images, sorcery. That's the word pharmakeia, and it literally means drug-related intoxication, illusions, and idolatry. So, any, so you could write next to sorcery, addiction. It's pharmakeia, street pharmacist. <laughs> and it's drug-related intoxication and, and illusions, illusions, living in these illusions. Hatred, strife to somebody who always has a, they're always arguing. Just They have a passion, whether, they, whether it's known or unknown. They have, everybody else knows it. They have a passion for arguing and conflict. Jealousy is a burning emotion, and jealousy can be good or bad. People think, oh, when God says, oh, I'm a jealous God, that's in the good context, meaning I passionately love you. So there's a good jealousy and a bad jealousy. Depends on the context. But it's just this passion it's a boiling over. There's outburst of anger. That's what I call the rage of the Hulk smash. Self-seeking. That self-seeking is so, I didn't have time to, I didn't have room to write all this, but self-seeking is that self-centered ambition. And it's also seduction, manipulation, intimidation, and domination. It's witchcraft, all self-seeking. If you study out certain scriptures, I don't have time to go there, but self-seeking is the root that causes all these different evils and, and demonic things to take root in people's life. There's the seduction of the flesh. You're seduced into things, being led by your feelings. There's the intimidation that people use when they can't get their way. They just intimidate you into things. There's manipulation. They tell half-truth, which is a whole lie. And they manipulate into things, manipulate you into things, and, and, and you fall into that through codependency and stuff. And then there's just straight-up domination where like, they take away your choice. But you always have a choice. You always have a choice in Christ. You can walk in the Spirit at any, any given time. Gosh, the whole list. I didn't, we're not putting the list on the screen. you got it in your notes. Um, Heresy, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and the like. That drunkenness, intoxication of any substance, that, that's where gluttony fits in. A lot of people hammer addiction. Nobody talks about gluttony. I don't have a problem with, with king of beers. I don't have a problem with alcohol. That's God's helped me with all. I don't have a problem with that. But I do have a problem with some buffets. I do have a problem, and Sarah's been helping me. She's very patient with me. I'm like, babe, I need a peanut buster parfait. Like, it's just, this is the Lord. I need a peanut buster parfait. I feel it. It's almost the middle of the night. I need, I need a peanut buster parfait. And sometimes what's happening is I'm just emotionally off, and I want a peanut buster parfait. Now, there's nothing wrong with a peanut buster parfait. That's not sin. We're not going to start a new thing. Pastor John said peanut buster parfaits are sin. And Sarah will come, and this is what she taught me. This is what she taught me. She'd come, she'll be loving, and just, oh, you know. How about instead? <laughs> and she's rubbing me on my back and everything. She's like, I think you're just thirsty. I'm like, this, I ain't thirsty. I'm hungry. You don't know. And I'm getting mad. Like, I can feel my, and that's when you know it's the flesh. That's when you know it's the flesh, when somebody who loves you is speaking truth to you, and suddenly you're like, what'd you say? No, I ain't thirsty. I'm hungry. That's when you know they hit a button. That's when you know, and she'll be like, honey, why don't you get it here? I'll go get a glass of water for you. And I'm telling you, the glass of water, it works. It works. Now, sometimes when I'm drinking the glass of water, I'm visualizing the Peanut butter far, parfait sliding down my mouth, sliding down my throat, which is probably technically still sin, but, but what I'm saying, we have all these different areas, and, and, and listen, we've classified different things as these are terrible sins, and, and sexual sins are different than other sins. The Bible teaches that in the sense of how it affects you. It is different, but, but in, in the wider sense, sin is sin. And there's a difference with, with walking in, with, there's a difference with walking in sin and struggling with sin. The Bible says a righteous man falls, he gets back up seven times. So if I fall, do I get back up? When I fall, do I get back up? 
If I fall, do I get back up? The day I fall and just keep walking falling is the day you're really in trouble. Being stuck in sin and struggling with sin is two different things. Somebody who's struggling with, with tendencies of affection towards the, the same sex. You should have affection towards the same sex. Godly affection. Men should be able to have strong relationship with other men. To where that you love them. Women should be able to have strong relationship with other women. But what the enemy does through your flesh, because your flesh gives into opportunity out of the insecurities and sin in your life, you take something that should be godly affection and you move it to ungodly affection, which is no different than a husband or a man using a woman sex before marriage. I'm not willing to marry you to show you how valuable you are and then have sex with you. I want you to have sex with me to find out if you are valuable. And so what has to happen is you, you, you submit that to the Lord. Some of you who might struggle with pornography and stuff. You, we all have affections and things, but what you do is you turn those affections to the Spirit of the Lord. You turn them to the Lord. Because when you turn them just to flesh and just, I want what I want, guys, you're going to trip yourself up every single time. Every single time. And there's not one of us without sin. There's not one of us. As a matter of fact, anybody who does struggle in, in that area of same-sex attraction, let me give you, there's a book called A Change of Affection. I cannot remember the author. I cannot remember the author, but it's called A Change of Affection. It is an unbelievable testimony of a man who, who lived his whole life. Beckett, that's right, Beckett Cook. Same, uh, the title is... Uh, a Change of Affection by Beckett Cook. Amazing testimony of the glory of God coming into his life. And he, find, he has a revelation of his new identity in Christ. And his testimony is, I still don't like women. I'm still not attracted to women. But I recognize that my ungodly attraction to men was sin and a trap. He actually jokingly says, well, I am attracted to one man. And his name is Jesus. And that's the relationship he's in. And God has totally restored his life. But when you give in, when you give in to the addiction, when you give in to the gluttony, when you give in to the pride, when you give in to the why is this happening to me, when you give in to any of the flesh, what happens is you, you limit the Spirit of God from working in your life. Because the fruit of the Spirit towards the bottom of the page is you literally walking in the love of God. Not just love, but walking in the love of God. And he gets to define what that love is because he is Lord. He's Lord. And you see the peace and all the fruit of the Spirit I've, I've listed there. And all of these nine qualities describe the character of Jesus Christ. So all these things, the love, the peace, the faith, all of these are characteristics of the person of Jesus Christ. And spiritual maturity is about you and I believing in Christ and then Christ coming to live inside of us and then his life explodes through our life and spiritual maturity growing up looks like this. I, in all areas of my life, look like Jesus. See, when we were in the Garden of Eden, man was made in the image and likeness of God. Image speaks to photograph what you look like. Likeness speaks to your functionality, what you act like. What we lost in sin is we still look like God, we just no longer act like him. So spiritual maturity, so everyone is born in the image of God. But no one is born in the likeness of God. So when you are born again, when you are born again, you are a new creation. Now you are like God, and spiritual maturity is letting his life live through your life. You submit all of yourself to him, not what I will be done, not what I want be done, not what I think be done, but Lord, your will be done. Well, hmm, what's God's will? That just feels like rules. That just feels like heavy rules. I don't think that's the way. I just... You're going to do it your way or you're going to do it his. I've lived a lifetime of doing it my way. And I have so many regrets I can't even hardly have a list big enough. 
but I never regret doing it God's way. Never regret doing it God's way. And worship team, come on up or I don't think I'm ever going to end. The three things I want to end with is this. Every flesh-driven temptation or trial, every flesh-driven temptation or trial is an opportunity to, number one, please God. That your life should be pleasing to God. That we walk in a manner that's worthy to, to the calling of Jesus Christ. So every time I have a, I'm stuck with it, I'm, I'm in a crossroads and I, I'm at the face of a temptation. Every temptation or trial in my flesh is an opportunity for me to make a choice to say, I'm not going to please myself. I'm not going to please somebody else. I'm going to please God with my decision. Every temptation is an opportunity to please God. Every temptation is an opportunity to pass the faith test. And every time you pass a faith test, promotion. Pass that test. See, what God will do, God will take every, every temptation that the enemy provides and he'll make it into every temptation or trial that the enemy provides, God will turn it into a test. But every test that God gives you, the enemy turns it into a temptation and a trial. You get determined which one you're going to do. Pass the test. And the last one is you proclaim victory. See, when I obey God, I say no to my flesh, and I obey God, even though the struggle may be real and the struggle may be hard, I, let, I say no out of my eternal identity. I say no to a temporary reality. What happens, I am declaring and living in victory. It's mic drop. It's touchdown. It's victory every single time. It's victory. You don't drink tonight, it's victory. You don't go to that website tonight, it's victory. You serve other people instead of yourself, it's victory. You say no to the words that were about to come out of your mouth, it's victory. It's victory. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.